So Luke 17, 11 to 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, my name is Miles. Uh, it's great to see you this morning. It's great to have Al back, but it's great to have Ruth back as well. So good. Thanks for coming back, Ruth. We, we missed you. Uh, we're jumping into Luke 17. Uh, let me pray and then we'll, then we'll walk right through it. Father, we uh, give you great thanks uh, for your love for us, that you are a God who um, has made himself known, that we might know you, be loved by you, and receive mercy from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Will this make me happy? This is a a question someone asked me. uh, I was sitting on on that pew uh, towards the end of last year, uh, chatting with someone, and they said, Will this make me happy? We were chatting about uh, faith and life and all things uh, spiritual. Uh, They had been through an incredible experience of uh, trial and suffering, a broken relationship that had been costly, losing a job uh, soon afterwards, everything coming at them in life was hard. They weren't happy. So the the question that was most urgent to them as they sat there and and I was sharing uh, the gospel with them was, will this make me happy? me happy. What should I have said? What would you have said? And better yet, imagine I could have just like paused the conversation, run over to this pew, sat down with you and said, hey, can you coach me through what the next 10 things I'm meant to say to this person? Will this make me happy? A real problem, a real person with real things going on in their life. What do we have to say? Hold that thought. As we walk through uh, this story today, um, we'll have some things to say. We'll have some ways to move forward uh, with that person. Three simple points uh, this morning. The story of the ten lepers, the response of the nine, and the response of the one. Jesus is traveling uh, on his way to Jerusalem. This is in the the, the journey narrative where he's he's headed towards Jerusalem. He's going to get there uh, around uh, chapter 19. And he says... um, uh, he sees a village in sight and he's in between uh, the, the, the boundaries of two different nations. So you've got uh, Samaria and you've got uh, where Jerusalem is and he's in between those two places, two, two places where uh, people don't usually get along. He's coming towards the village and on the outskirts of the village, some men start shouting at him, crying out to him. And the backstory of these men is that these are men uh, who have leprosy. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance. 
leprosy is is an incredibly um, painful and and slow disease. It's a disease of of the body, of uh, muscles deteriorating, of uh, body bodily pain, uh, most visibly seen in skin lesions, uh, and it's incredibly contagious. Uh, one writer described it like this: it's it's like your whole being is being attacked by, by bacteria all the time that is being slowly eaten away. Horrible. A physical uh, devastation. And on top of that, it, it comes with social implications. Because it's so contagious, uh, these, these, these men are on the outskirts of town for, for a very important reason. Uh, people don't want them to be near them. They can't come close to people. Uh, they survive off the generosity of others. They can't work. They can't contribute. It's physically devastating and socially isolating. We even see as they cry out to Jesus, they, they stand at a distance. They couldn't see family, they couldn't be part of the community. What an incredibly costly, difficult situation for them. And in general, uh, we would find it hard, hard to imagine, except for three, three years ago now. Uh, remember, we used to go on isolation for a week as soon as we got COVID? You remember that, right? You remember missing important family events? You remember... Uh, not getting to go to things, remembering missing Christmases and missing birthday parties. And that was for a week. Now, this is like getting that little white box of a test with a second line and, it, and it's a condemnation of forever isolation, forever separation. And as they stand at a distance in this, this desperate state that is, with so much complexity for them, uh, they cry out, Jesus, Master, Master, honorary title, have pity on us. It's the cry of people who, who see, who are in high need, with, with a, uh, see a potential solution, who are in desperation, who need hope. They've heard of this Jesus guy, the stories have travelled around, he's been doing this ministry for ages, and, and they've heard of these stories, this guy heals people. He's famous for this. And so they, they cry out for help. Have mercy on us. And Jesus, kind of, the response from him seems kind of callous. He, he sends them away. But he sends them away to the priest to be checked. This is one of the roles that the priests had, uh, uh, that they would uh, check uh, those with skin diseases to say whether they were clean or unclean and could be allowed back into society. And so Jesus sends them away to that, and they respond by doing what Jesus says, and, and as they go, a miraculous thing happens. The disease that causes them physical pain and social isolation is cleansed. The need that they cried out for help for is answered. Jesus cures the incurable. This moment really highlights uh, the, both the power of Jesus, he can cure the incurable disease, and, and the mercy and compassion of Jesus, that he, that he hears their cry and, and answers that. But it's interesting in this story, the, the miracle isn't actually at the centre of the story. It's in the next part. It's in the, in the way that they respond. The pinch of the story is this. That ten are healed, but only one returns. The nine walk on, but one returns to Jesus. You get this picture of, of, the, of a right response to Jesus. And this one that returns, he... He doesn't just return with a, with a meagre kind of thanks. He returns in, in exuberant praise. 
This picture of he's coming back to Jesus running, praising God in a loud voice, in a voice that he didn't care who heard about it. He didn't care. He wasn't worried about being embarrassed. He was celebrating the wonder of this person who had healed and saved him. His praise moves from this, this vocal exuberance to physical as he throws himself down at Jesus' feet, a posture of, of worship, of vulnerability before the one he's giving praise to. This, this translates very interesting today. In what situation would you ever sit at someone's feet? What situation would you ever bow down at someone's feet? In this situation, it, it's, he is so overwhelmed with thankfulness that he is physically and emotionally overcome with a desire to give thanks and praise to the one who has cleansed him, the one who has set him free from disease, this disease of slow death. It's an incredible uh, move and, and it's a, a distance change. I remember that they, they were standing far off and now from standing far off he's moved to collapsing at his feet. Remember that it's a it's a cultural move uh, that's humongous as well. So uh, the author gives us a note that he is a Samaritan, someone who would have had some heritage links with the Jewish people, but, uh, but definitely not Jewish and definitely considered uh, to be separated from the Jewish people. Jesus is a Jew. And so the Jews would have seen him uh, as unclean, doubly so. And yet he moves forward and is worshipping at Jesus' feet, a foreigner. And then Jesus' response is really, really important and really sets us up for where we're going today. He says this, We're not all ten cleansed. In our heads we get to answer, yeah, they were. Where are the other nine? Well, they're not here where they should be. Has no one returned to give praise to the God except this foreigner? No, none. What's, what's Jesus' uh, tone, do you think, as he asks these questions? I think he might be disappointed, maybe frustrated, exasperated, maybe, maybe just saddened. The, the response of this Samaritan throws in stark contrast the response of the other nine who went on. All ten trust that Jesus can have mercy on them can do something to change their circumstance, to fill their need. And Jesus does. He honours their belief in him. But one returns in praise. And as these people encounter Jesus, it raises questions about how people respond to Jesus. And then ask questions for us. How might we respond to Jesus? Still a bit of a deeper dive uh, on the response of the nine. And the nine, they, they have uh, this understanding of Jesus as someone who can help them, someone they, they want to cry out, someone who would fill a need for them. They're crying out of mercy to have a problem solved. But once that problem is solved, their response is to leave him, to keep going. It's, people do this all the time with Jesus-y stuff, with Christian stuff with God, with spirituality. They, they come to church or they come to explore courses, they come to things out of, out of a, deep, a deep internal need. They need. They're lonely and they need a sense of community or, or they want friends or they feel a deep sense of purposelessness. They want purpose, they want peace, they want hope, they want healing. 
The life circumstances has, has changed and so it's created doubt about the way they were going and they want to change their lives for something better. There is a need or a reason that they might ask questions about, oh, well, who is this Jesus guy? Or, or they might, might even come and ask to be prayed for. And yet the, the response is really important. Like the nine who didn't return, there are people who will come with needs to, to Jesus and will cry out to him, ask for mercy. Uh, but once the need maybe is filled or, or maybe something else changes, they'll, they'll move on. This, this feels a bit too real for me. I, I know people like this. I grew up in church with people like this. People who would say, I used to go to church when I was young. Or, I go to church to honour my parents. Or, I grew out of that. Or, I did that religious thing for a bit. Or, or they don't say anything at all. You don't hear about it from them, you just experience it. They, they stop coming and you hear from a friend, oh yeah, they've stopped, stopped being a Christian, they've stopped following Jesus, they've stopped coming to church. They engage with Jesus stuff, they learn from the scripture and, and then they kind of stop. The reason or the need that brought them there is, is finished. I have friends like this, I have relatives like this. There's a famous story in, uh, in my family that I always got told when I was growing up. I didn't grow up uh, coming to church. And one of the famous stories in our family was my grandfather used to go to church every Sunday until the Sunday after his father died and then he never went back. He really only ever went because his dad wanted him to. When his dad passed away, he stopped. It's interesting to ponder. Scripture doesn't seem to give an age limit or a time limit to faith. It describes lifelong following Jesus. So what happened? The reality is obviously different for every single person that might be in that circumstance. But there was some need and something, maybe something was met and then then something changed. John Calvin, uh, as he's commenting upon this particular uh, passage, says this, that poverty and hunger beget faith, but abundance kills it. The people kind of, will be drawn to Jesus out, out of need. Uh, but that, that first move or that first orientation of, of trust may be killed by the abundance of supply. And this is really careful. It's not a critique of the reason they came to Jesus. After all, all ten came for the same reason. Jesus doesn't critique them for, for doesn't critique the one that returned for, well, you only, you know, only came for this need. They all came for the same need for healing. People come to Jesus for whatever reason. It's not a right or wrong reason to come and encounter Jesus. It is, however, a critique of the way they responded to Jesus. And in some sense, they were treating Jesus like like Aldi. You go to Aldi, you have your list, you get what you came for, and then you leave. It is transactional. A consumer good, feeling a consumer need. And that, but then in stark contrast, we have, we have the one that returned. The one, the response of the one. He receives the same blessing. But his response is, to seeing that uh, 
what he has received as a reason to praise and to worship, to come closer to the one who had given him life, to bow down at his, at his feet in worship. He, he receives mercy and moves closer to Jesus. He longs to be in his presence. He wants to worship him, honour him and praise him. Have you ever been that ecstatically happy? Can you think of a moment where you just thought, oh, I'm just so overwhelmed by joy right now? Um, I've got a few, but the one that came to mind uh, when I was running was uh, finishing year 12 exams. I remember that, you know, I remember the day, I remember the exam, chemistry, November 11. I remember the time, 3 p.m. And I remember the experience. I remember the, the facilitator saying, pens down. And I remember being surprised for an audible cheer came out of me. Now you got, lots of you know that I'm a pretty low-key person, so, so for me to just like break out in this audible cheer surprised me and everyone else in the room. Uh, I saw my mate across the room, we ran to each other, knocking tables aside and embraced each other with a hug. Uh, we ran outside and threw our bags uh, down the stairs, ripped off our shirts and ran around the field, swinging them around our heads. And... Uh, Look, I'm, I'm larger than the average human. That was not a pretty sight for anyone involved, including myself. But, but uh, it made so much sense at the time, actually. I couldn't imagine doing anything. I was so over, overwhelmed by the goodness of finishing those exams, of getting out of the dark doldrums of reading notes and uh, copious things. I had been freed. And this is the kind of response that Jesus invites us into. Not a response of, oh, that's just a thing, but to say, you've been given an incredible gift. You've been set free. Like uh, this one who returns. He, he doesn't just get what he needs and then move on. He, he recognises the gift he has received. It comes from the giver. He sees the enormity of what has been done and responds by uh, saying, I need to be near that person. He recognises the gift he has been given and wants to run back to the Saviour, to be near him, to praise him, to worship him. There's no shame in it for him. He's shouting loudly, this is the guy, this Jesus. He has saved me. Praise and honour to him, this one. Hey, you, you, and you, this is the guy, come here. This is the one who has healed me. He has made me well. We had an insight through this person of, of how, how we might respond to Jesus. How we might respond to his mercy. Now, for those of you in the room who are not yet Christians or are exploring faith, um, we, we all come to Jesus for various needs and reasons. Well, there's just something going on and, and, and we want to explore faith. We're recognizing most of the time that the world is just not as it should be. That something needs to change about the world. And what needs to change, it, it, this story tells us, is not simply our, our, need, our need being met or our circumstance changing. What needs to change is, is us. As Jesus offers us mercy and invites us to come and worship him, to praise him, to respond rightly to him, we get to exist in the world as he's created us to be. We get to be with him. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, how do you know if you respond to Jesus like he suggests? Or if you're treating him as a source to fill a need for you? How do you know? It kind of prompts prayerfully thoughtful, reflective questions for ourselves, like, how do you respond 
to Jesus' blessings? Or how do you respond to the absence of his blessings? Do the presence of his blessings lead to praising him or simply just enjoying and, and, and receiving and, and really living off his blessings to you? Or do the absence of his blessings to us and uh, our experience mean we cast doubt upon his presence amongst us? Or maybe this, try, try imaginative exercise with me. Imagine for a moment um, you're walking along the strand, a place you know, and, and just imagine in your brain. <laughs> imagine you see Jesus. He's there across the road. You know him. He knows you. What, what would you do? What would you feel like doing? Would you feel awkward and watch what others do? Would you do that thing that most of us do when we see someone out at the shops and give that respectful nod and move right along? Would you, would you be ashamed and hide? Would you be fearful and wonder what would happen? Or would you run to him, overwhelmed with thankfulness, He's loved you and saved you. We're given uh, this insight in how to, to, to respond to Jesus' gift to us of his mercy. How do we respond like the one who returned? How do we respond like this? It, it can't simply be by kind of stirring up praise within ourselves and thinking, all right, I just, I just need to be more thankful and kind of, kind of move through that and, and just like I need to be you know, happier or something, kind of fake it. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what has been called here. This guy isn't putting it on. It's real. How do we respond like him? We respond like him by, by knowing, by meditating, by dwelling on, by remembering, by, by filling our soul with who God is. By meditating on the wonder of the good things he has done for us and letting, letting his spirit lead us to great praise of him. By holding on that we're invited and get to worship him. For those who are Christians, we were far from Jesus like the lepers were far from people because of our sin. We were isolated. We had the stench of death on us. Then through his mercy, he has given us life that we can come near and worship him. Seeing all the mercy Jesus has shown us and seeing who he is, that we can worship him. The greatest blessing, to be able to sit at his feet, to worship the one behind the blessings we've received. With loud voices to sing, overwhelmed by his goodness to us, that we could come before him in prayer, in reading his word and hearing from him. We might ask in prayer that God might fill us with such thankfulness and praise of him. That God might lead us closer to him. That we might respond to him just in awe of what he has done for us. Back to the story at the start. Will this make me happy? This person had a need. Things were going wrong. They wanted a circumstance to change in their life. 
They'd come uh, to church, driven by that need, and they wanted uh, things to change. Will this make me happy? I can't remember what I said. Chances are I, I listened a lot, and I heard their pain, and I, and I affirmed their story, and then I, I tried to share some gospel with them. And I think I, I think I might have tried to say something like this. You are experiencing a broken world, a world tainted by sin. We encounter Jesus in that world and he offers us himself. He offers us forgiveness and mercy and he offers us himself to worship. Your experience of following Jesus may be like this. That there will be greater, uh, moments of greater happiness than you could possibly imagine. Also, there may be moments of greater sadness than you can possibly imagine as you mourn the way the world is. But, regardless of that, you will know and be known by the creator of the universe. You will be loved and offered mercy by the God who has drawn near to you. In both those circumstances, you have a Lord and Saviour you get to worship and praise for the hope of the world. Will this make me happy? Yes, no, maybe, kind of, sometimes. Here's what's true. God has made a way for us to be with him. And God has made a future for us where the difficulties and complications of this world will be no more. For we will run to him with complete abandon, cheering and praising and celebrating him. For he has healed us, he has saved us, and he's given us a place with him. And he offers for us to respond. Let me pray. Oh, Father, we give you great thanks uh, that you have come to us, that you love us and you meet us uh, in the midst of all that is going on in our lives. Thank you so much that you are a God that has come near, that we might know you and be known by you. Father, may we know uh, your love all of our days. And may it fill us with hope and joy uh, that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.